Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 227 of the Spoiler Alert podcast brought to you by MovieOutsiders.com. I'm Danny, and I'm here with Mike, and tonight we'll be discussing the new film from writer-director Paul Schrader, First Reformed, starring Amanda Seyfried and Cedric the Entertainer. Mike, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing great, Danny. How are you doing? I'm doing awesome. Is that how you say Amanda I always Seyfried's say, last name. I say Seyfried, but I Seyfried. I, I don't know. I, I we don't fact check, so I, there's no check. way to find out. No, well, no uh, one has ever said her name out loud. Have you ever gone to YouTube to to go to the instructional videos on how to pronounce somebody's last name? They have no. them all the time. Yeah, you can just type in how do you say, and then it could just be a word or a biblical term or a famous person's name, and they will tell you. Who who's they? Who records the videos for all the names? No clue. They could be jacking with us too for all i know it's it's a prank to get us to say is it, it like one channel where like they, someone has a channel that's all they do is just record names it, it typically is and it's like a blank oh. screen and they just flash up the word and they'll just go seyfried amanda seyfried a man duh seyfried amanda seyfried Say Bob. Like, yeah, like over and over and over again. It's really weird. But but it's, really if, if I'm ever questioning it, that's where I go. Okay. And, well, and, then, cool. I just, and then I just take it as gospel. We'll review one of those uh, videos in an episode <laughs> at a future time. All right. All right. Uh, so, yeah, uh, Cedric the Entertainer does not go by Cedric the Entertainer. He's, he's uh, amping up his game for the serious film and, and was Gravitas. Billed, yeah. Build with his actual last name, which I forgot and wouldn't check anyway. Oh, he's always well, the entertainer to me because he's so entertaining. That's Correct. why you wouldn't yes. check. Right. Or you're, you're not discounting him as an, as an entertainer. In fact, no, you're so he, bowled I'm over so, by him that I think he, he might as well Got just it. change his name to entertainer. Got it. His Got middle it. name is the, yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. We're off to a great start. This is a riveting episode. No one has turned off their podcast. No one. Buddy, why don't we start with a, a, a plot cap for those who have yet to check out First Reform, admitting that this is a, a newer film, but a small independent film that played at film festivals and probably in a few very select theaters and is now available on iTunes and Amazon and other streaming right. platforms. Yeah. It, in fact, it was at the Wisconsin Film Festival this year, and I had hoped to see it, but the timing just didn't work out for when I was available and so I was happy that we got this one in so first reformed is the story of Ernst Tolar is that how you say his name Tolar or was it Toller? Toller? we'll check Toller? YouTube we'll check YouTube later played by Ethan Hawke uh, who's a middle-aged minister at a small historic church in upstate New York with a dark tragic past heavy drinking habits and other serious health concerns he is counseling a parishioner who happens to be an unhinged environmental activist when that parishioner violently takes his own life out of despair for the condition of the world, which is exacerbated by his young wife's midterm pregnancy. Tolar befriends the activist's widow, and they find a suicide vest that the activist had left behind. As Tolar continues to investigate the activist's theories and research, he becomes more and more frustrated with the church's lack of response on the issue. And this reaches a boiling point when he learns that their megachurch parent congregation is sponsored by a local notorious industrial polluter. When his small church is to celebrate its 250th anniversary with a large celebration and many apathetic politicians and industrialists in house, he decides to use the opportunity to detonate the suicide vest. 
His plan is thwarted when his friend the widow unexpectedly appears at the ceremony, and he decides to kill only himself before she thwarts his plan a final time. And that's First Reformed. Danny, what did you think? A laugh a minute thrill ride that's hilarious fun for the whole family. What'd you think? I thought that it was a really good two-thirds of a movie that completely lost me in the final act. I definitely appreciated the acting of almost all the performers that we mentioned in the intro to the show and more. I think that was a strong high point for it. But I just felt that it kind of went off the rails in the last 30 minutes and ended in a way that I just couldn't quite get behind. Okay. Uh, I actually thought the movie was really bad. I thought it was deliberately provocative in an attempt to try and elicit shock value, but I didn't find it shocking because I thought it was also very obvious where the movie would go up until the very last five seconds of the movie. I didn't see that coming. Okay. But I still thought it was shocking. We'll talk about why that was later, but I just didn't think it was very good. And and I I can't say I'm an Ethan Hawke fan. I'm not I don't have like a tattoo of him or I haven't named one any of my children after him. Yeah, yeah it's, it's one of the several ways. <laughs> um but I thought he was fine. Okay. I mean, he is getting great reviews, but I don't fully understand why because I didn't think he was that great. And I also don't think he was given that much to do. Uh, see, I, I, that's where I disagree. I, I do feel that he was that great. Again, talk about that. Two, two thirds of, of the time. Drone me, on about that. Let, let, let me give you an hour on why I think he was yep. so great. No, yep. I, I think I'll point to a few scenes. Um, one where he's explaining the, the son that he lost and, and kind of coerced into going to war that he takes um, really whole personal responsibility for the fact that his son is no longer with us and that it ended his marriage, I thought was a uh, really a, a scene with a lot of emotional heft. Uh, there's a scene where he's, you know, begging the pastor of his mega church, um, you know, to just kind of back off on his personal problems, give him just a little bit of space. He's going to get himself taken care of. Just let me go to, you know, the, the 250th consecration of my church, I thought was a really emotional scene. It, this to me was an impressive. But that was because he really wanted to murder everyone. Uh, I get it. I just think and that was I good didn't acting. think that was great acting. But go ahead, go ahead, keep going. I, Drone on more. I, I think I guess I would compare it a lot to the performance of Casey Affleck in Manchester by the Sea, and I think that there were other comparisons that you could draw to that movie as well. I think that the scenes are a little bit slow, uh, just sort of the day to day things going on in their life. Um, you know, aside from a couple shock value scenes in the first two thirds of the movie, it really is just sort of a kind of brooding, plotting, sad, dark, cold spring in upstate New York that you're living through. And I compared it to that movie for that reason. Also, there's almost no score in this movie at all. The music is used very sparingly as well. And so in the couple of occasions where it does pop in, I found it quite effective. So up until the last 30 minutes of the movie, I was enjoying it. I was buying what they were selling, despite the fact that it was not a laugh a minute. It was really depressing as all get out. 
and I found it kind of depressing, but more terrifically boring. And I also think this is Paul Schrader, who wrote Taxi Driver, totally aping Taxi Driver. And he just decided to make Travis Bickle a priest. And we sort of see him devolve from this sort of, I mean, extremely lonely and uh, maybe aimless, disaffected, distanced individual into a homicidal killer by the end, really. So in that sense, it's the same arc. And I feel like if any other writer did this, they would be kind of trash for just taking mm. taxi driver and putting in a priest. I also feel like the choice of doing that to a priest was again, deliberately provocative. I don't think he was a that, priest. He, well, he was a reverend. Yeah. 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 A reverend. Yeah. He's not, not Catholic. I don't, think he's I don't Catholic, he was, yeah. an, if it's Anglican or if it's uh, Calvinist, I'm not sure what it was. And, uh, I, I just, I also thought the, there's no music, but it felt, no Country for Old Men has no score until the last, and it feels purposeful, minutes, yeah. yeah, and feels impactful, and it's eerie, and it feels strange. This felt like they either didn't have money for music, hmm. or they just thought every scene is so boring already. Let's just play with no music, and it'll feel worse. And then when they brought music in, I thought, first of all, the music they brought in was like a guy falling asleep on a keyboard, <laughs> like it was just like one tone or two tones, like just. Terrible. My like a cat stretching on a keyboard makes this this music. It wasn't really a score. So, it was not effective. It was not impactful. I thought it sucked. Maybe and I like, thought you made me wait seventy five minutes to pull this music out of the hat. <laughs> Get bent. You maybe we should recut the film like the the old fashioned like nineteen thirties movies that just have a score going constantly in the background like strings and orchestral and see what the hell happens. Like does my, it my does first, it help it? <laughs> My first note in this whole movie was, boy, these credits feel pretentious. They feel really old-fashioned. In fact, the only thing missing is a big, gaudy, sleepy score. <laughs> like Grand Hotel I mean, or something. Yeah, or like um, Rebecca. Yeah. I mean, if you just remember, like, just these kind of, like, nameless, faceless, just orchestral blah. If you put that over the first two minutes of this movie, you'd think, okay, this movie was made in 1930. Got it. But it wasn't. And if it had been, it would have been more exciting. So the opening, sucked. the opening credits, uh, if I recall, it was like a fancy cursive font on a black screen with just dead silence, right? Like there's no music, there's no sound, there's no And nothing. then just the push in on the church, yeah, yeah, very yeah. symmetrical. It just, I just felt like this movie, there was a lot of, I wanted to, to be impressed with the direction because I did think there were a lot of deliberate choices. I just thought every choice seemed dumb and obvious and boring and not interesting or exciting. And then there's the voiceovers of Ethan Hawke that, again, he seems so disaffected and hollow, but not in the tortured way that I thought Casey Affleck was in Manchester by the Sea. He just sounds like um, Jennifer Jason Leigh from Annihilation, yeah. which we just talked about a few weeks ago. Like, just, he's just reading. Yeah. And... In a flat affect. I just I just really struggled. I don't think there's one thing I enjoyed about the movie at all. Climate change and the effects on our planet are it is probably my biggest fear. Like like this is something that I think about maybe not every day, but several times a week and and get worried about and have bad dreams about and it scares the hell out of me. And there's even podcasts that I used to listen to from like some left-leaning publications that would compile snippets from, you know, the week's news stories and stuff like that. And I had to stop listening to it because every few weeks 
they would do an episode wholly dedicated to the effects of climate change and basically you're screwed there's nothing you can do about this and it was so disturbing and unnerving to me that I, I had to stop listening so you know 15 minutes into this film there's a lengthy scene where Ethan Hawke's character is trying to counsel this despondent environmental activist who is clearly a harm to himself if not others right and I mean, the whole conversation is basically that, right? Like, we're all effed. This is going south. Why would we bring a child into this world? And, I mean, it was basically just watching my worst nightmare conversation play out on screen. And had I known that that was going to be a part of this, I honestly would have suggested we take it out of our queue. Sitting through that 15 minutes was so disturbing to me that I really wanted to turn it off, despite the fact that I could appreciate other things about the movie throughout it. That was so haunting to me. I kind of wish that this is a movie that I hadn't seen for that reason alone. Hmm. I just thought that was, it was an interesting, um, actually the guy who played that character, the activist who kills himself, I thought he did a pretty good job acting, but then I thought Paul Schrader just took it so far over the top, starting with the guy's (coughs) funeral scene which is at the <coughs> the super fun site that's like a toxic waste hell and the the song about fossil fuels it's a Neil Young song yeah and then later when they're doing the magical mystery tour which is the widow comes to see the priest and this asks is, she doesn't ask me. but she she tells how she and her husband used to lay on top of one another and try and get as much bodily contact as possible and stare in each other's eyes after they smoked a joint and out of nowhere, the priest is like, oh, so you want to do that? And she says, yeah. She lays on top of him. First of all, one of them has to have atrocious breath. And I don't know how this can happen where they just do this. But then the movie gets so cheesy. Like they lift off the floor and suddenly it's these images of our beautiful world. And then it's just like plastic bottles in a waste in a landfill. It's so weird. And then like oil-drenched otters, you know, being washed up on shore. And it's like, oh, God. And, and they, called, just, they called it a magical nowhere. mystery tour. And yeah. it's seriously, that five-minute sequence looked like some, like, high school kid's AV project. Right? Yes, like, it looked like, terrible. Like some, like, bad submission to a film school or something. It was right. really dumb. It, it, it just looked bad. Like, it looked like kind of 1970s effects. And... Really, and after that's the that first point, time music came into the movie. Yeah, yeah, and then no, I think that might, I think that might have been the second time. But e- either way, I digress. The next twenty five minutes of the film were really just off the rails. I, I I thought that the the minister went in such a weird spot. I just couldn't imagine him doing that, despite his his you know serious. He's probably got cancer. Um, not long for this world. The the torture over having lost a son and the guilt that he feels as a result of that. None of that makes me think that he's a guy that in over the course of a couple of months would decide to kill himself and 250 other people, many of whom would be innocent people in the room. Like right. this wasn't this wasn't right. just a room of of complicit polluters. Like right, not just industrialists and right. yeah, yeah. Uh, so anyway. That that I, was I, I, I just much. I just thought it was a, t- a really bad movie, and the ending is so bad. I actually wrote W U T. What? <laughs> that's that's how the movie ended. What? 
It was yeah. so bad. So, it was like anyone so, who ever saw the end of The Sopranos and got pissed off, yeah. you're going to freaking hate this movie. Yeah, I mean, we might as well. I think we can spoil it. <laughs> oh, for sure. No so, one's going to see this movie. It's terrible. So I alluded to he's he's going to blow up the church with his suicide vest, but then his his friend, the widow, shows up. And so he decides instead of killing everybody, he's just going to kill himself in his room before he goes into the consecration. Pours himself like a glass of Drano, but not before he has completely wrapped himself in barbed wire tightly and thrown his uh, vestment over it. You know, so he's bleeding through this white linen cloth. And before he can down his final drink, in walks the widow. And they start making out, and it is the weirdest looking kiss you've ever seen. It's like cousins making out. It looks right. it really, really awkward as the camera keeps going around them 360. And then at the same time, the music that's playing is a woman in the church singing this country gospel song, uh, leaning on the everlasting arms. But I think she's trying to kill time till the pastor got there. So it's going on for like 15 minutes. You know that song yeah. doesn't have that many verses. And then it just cuts to black, all the Sopranos, without any right. sort of resolution. So real weird. Really real weird. Real bad. I agree. It was terrible. And uh, <laughs> I love when you don't say things, and I agree with them anyway. Um, the widow comes in, and she's hugging him and holding him tight. Wouldn't the the barbed wire also be slicing her to I ribbons? I would have to have th- thought that it would. Wouldn't like, she just be – she's a pregnant woman who's just – Holding so tightly to a guy wrapped in barbed wire, right? Wouldn't that be and, cutting? And, you? I mean, he's just wearing like you know loose linen over that. <laughs> it's not. It's not like he's wearing like a a bulletproof vest over the barbed wire. You know, <laughs> right. like, she's got to be feeling that. Plus, he's showing up just... like walking at her with like blood pouring out of it. So you got to think that she's isn't she a little concerned about that? This wasn't quite as bad as this wasn't quite as bad as mother, mother. <laughs> But it feels almost that bad in that it feels oh, wow. like Paul Schrader had ideas and wanted to go certain places and then just said, screw it. I'm just going to end it. You know, like he just he just decided to just cash in his chips or he ran out of money or he just – Ethan Hawke's schedule was like bumping up against his next film. Well, they're so making they just, a like, we'll sequel it to it. Except it's gonna be it's gonna be Ethan Hawke and her, and it's gonna be directed by Richard Linkletter, and it's just them like walking through upstate New York talking for nine minutes. Right, and it'll all be improv, and he'll get an Academy Award nomination for best original screenplay. Correct. Right. Right. What's up with Amanda Seyfried when she gets the news about her deceased husband? She seems less upset than Emily Blunt in A Quiet Place. Like, it, it just, like I think she just thought this was inevitable. And, I mean, this sucks, but what are you going to do, you know? What's up with that same woman and her reaction to finding a suicide vest that her husband has made? And to her letting the priest take it when he says, I'll dispose of it. <laughs> now... What the what the f is a priest gonna do with the suicide vest? <laughs> how and do you how does how one do dispose, dispose of a suicide that? vest? Yeah, I have no I, idea. We don't fact check, so I can't tell you. But I'll Google it later. What what's up with uh, Ethan Hawke's old timey alarm clock? Does anybody still use an alarm clock that rings and like jiggles across the table to wake you up? Does anybody well, he's use using it? He's using a flip phone in the year 2017. That I could so that I could see because he's kind of not that well off, and he lives in the church, and he's he's probably not supposed to have fancy things as a 
a, a Calvinist minister or something like that. But the old-timey alarm clock, that's a bridge too far. That's He's got to have like an Alexa in the room to wake him up. What's up with drinking whiskey with Pepto-Bismol in it? Oh, that looked so bad. Like, Has anything ever looked worse? Basically, like those are like two things that I could not drink straight. Like maybe mixing them took the edge off one, but like Pepto Bismol tastes it's like, a like shock. Now. Yeah. Right. That, oh God. And and I know that he's drinking alcohol a lot. Is there a scene where he like pours alcohol into a bowl and then dips his food into it? Yes. I couldn't tell what was going on there. I was like, is he like like saturating his bread in whiskey or, or wine? What is happening there? It is vague enough and the camera is just static enough. That they're like, well, maybe it's maple syrup that's, or something. That, that's exactly what I was wondering. Like, was, was it syrup or like, is he giving himself communion? I didn't know what was going on there. It's because there. Paul Schrader didn't want to move the camera because every <laughs> camera setup was so simple. This looks like a student film. It looks like people who are like, I don't know how to set up a scene with more than one camera. So we'll just put it here in the middle of the room Maybe. and we'll just leave it. It won't move. We'll just leave it. It's just easier. We get more setups per day if we only need one setup per scene. I guess. I guess. What's up with that tourist telling an off-color joke to the priest that he just, or the minister that he just met? Like, would you ever do that? Like, you just met the guy and he doesn't seem that fun. Like, What's up with that same guy buying his kid a souvenir hat from this church? Yeah, that was also odd. Who's buying souvenirs from this church? I guess it's a famous historic landmark, but... You don't buy a kid a hat from a famous historic landmark I church. Speaking of kids, what's up with Ethan Hawke's horrible presentation to that small group of young kids on the oh. Underground Railroad and stop being at that church? you like... He like opens up the door where the slaves used to hide and goes into a lot of details about how crappy that must have been. And I'm thinking, dude, these kids are like five. You right. just just back off. Like I, I think they already get that this is pretty scary. It, it looks dark down there. We don't we you don't need to toss them down there to reinforce right. it. What's up with him telling a story about I think it was his dad or his grandpa working in the first building in the county that was two stories. Yeah. And that building had an elevator. What two-story building needs an elevator? And it was like a bank. It's not like it was like a, they're not moving pianos up and down. And then the guy died in the elevator. Yeah, yeah. That, that was, was a story. That was weird. Good that story. That was a weird story. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, good story. Then that's that's great. Mike, are you ready for five questions? Uh, sure. I, I would like to put this movie behind us because I'm still haunted about the the conversation about climate change. Let's get this done. I'll skip all the climate change Thank related you. questions Thank though. You. Question number one, Ethan Hawke has 81 acting credits to his resume and has been nominated for four times for mm. Academy Awards. Wow. And yet somehow seems less famous than he should be. Why is that? I don't know. Maybe just because he keeps in general, a low profile and doesn't do a lot of blockbusters, I guess. I mean, you don't hear a lot about, Ethan Hawke in the tabloids. I, I think he's just a pretty chill guy. So do you think he, he is less successful than like his peers or the people he sort of came up with? I don't know that I'd say that. I mean, with, with that number of acting credits, I'm sure he's doing just fine. Okay. And, if, and if he's pleased with his filmography, more power to him. Fair enough. What were the four Question. Oscar nominations? Was that the Linkletter movies and... Two Linkletter movies and then Training he was nominated Day? for... 
Training Day and Boyhood for Best Supporting Boyhood. Actor oh, both yeah. times. Okay, all right. Yeah. All right. Uh, uh, question number two: Danny Glover and Paul Schrader share a birthday. Yeah. Which has accomplished more in their time on Earth? Like they should, the same year too. I, I this is what the listener wrote. I don't uh, fact check. I didn't yeah. even look it up. <laughs> Neither of them are even alive. The question uh, also doesn't seem to be explicit or exclusive to their acting credits or their their contributions to film. It says which has accomplished more in their time on Earth. <laughs> could like it could just be like one of them was like a a veteran of of uh, a war like. They saved people from burning buildings. He was in the Peace Corps. One of his 12 then, kids. And, I, and right. I'm like, no, it's Schrader because he was a co-author of Taxi Driver. Right. He wrote yeah. Raging Bull. I mean, yeah. come on. That's right. So, yeah, him. Oh, Paul Schrader. Yeah, okay. I'd say him. Yeah. Okay. Well, question number three is, is about Paul Schrader. It says, Paul Schrader's work for the last 20 years has mainly been pulpy, crappy movies made to be pulpy, crappy, bad movies. For example... Dying of the Light, Dog Eat Dog, and he actually also wrote the screenplay for Bringing Out the Dead, all three of which star Nicolas Cage. Ooh, I don't know any at of those what, movies. At what point is he considered just a crappy filmmaker rather than a great filmmaker trying to make pulpy bad movies for some sort of point? I'd say after this one. After this one? Yeah, yeah. So you call this a, a pulpy bad movie on purpose – and put it alongside Nick Cage movies. No, no. Even though the it's next, got an 85. The next one after this one. Oh, oh, oh yeah, so one not more. including. One well, more, he gets, he gets one more. This, this, this was good enough. So you still think this qualifies him as a good filmmaker. One more dog gets him to make a, I would a bad say, film. I would say this one brought him up a notch. Like, I don't know that it would get you to good, but it gets you into the middle. And if he does one more bad one, that's it. Done. What Game if he over. does one more? So is it any more Nick Cage movies or is it just one more bad movie in general? Well, that might be unfair because if he goes on a string of 10 years and then makes a Nick Cage movie, it seems unfair to just take him down. But if it's your fourth Nick Cage movie, maybe it does deserve to make you a bad filmmaker. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll revisit this maybe after his next film. <laughs> Question Wasn't number starring four. Starring Nick Cage. Sorry, Nick Cage. <laughs> Uh, he's going to be our guest on the podcast in a few weeks. Question number four. How do small films like this make money? Why do they get made? Did this one make a lot of money? I have no idea where where the box office was. You know, I, I think that these types of projects are intriguing. And there's there's always three of these amongst the 20 acting nominations for every Academy Award ceremony, right? Like a movie that just played in art houses just did the film festival circuit i think of like amy adams first nomination for june bug you know not any kind of blockbuster nobody'd heard of the movie until the oscar nominations come out i think that there is an audience for these especially on the festival circuit and these help to round out those uh, those lists when the the festivals come around so you think is that the producers make them knowing this is not going to be a big money maker, but we'll play festivals and it sort of pads the schedule and it adds some gravitas because we got Ethan Hawke. And, and it was a project that they had some sort of interest in for whatever reason. Schrader's interested in climate change, wanted to push the envelope on that. Who knows? Uh, okay. not, not all movies are, are meant to just be a, a financial success uh, you know I, I think they can be considered a success if they 
outgross their uh, their budget, right? Okay, fair enough. Last question. Amanda Seyfried? Seyfried? Whatever. I know who you deep mean. Fried? Amanda Deep Fried has enormous <laughs> anime-style eyes. I'm glad you went with the eyes. I didn't know where we were going with that. Are human eyes all the same size, or do people have different size eyeballs? <laughs> this, this is a question. She this, does, is, this is what we get. She does have really big eyes. Uh, they're, they're also slightly farther apart than most people's, I think. But, they're, they're but no, this they're question noticeable. seems to be about the size of the eye. I would think that there has to be differences in the size of different humans' eyeballs. You do. I, I think so. I, did you fact check this? You're looking no, at me like you fact checked no. it. I just, right. If we have any uh, ophthalmologist uh, listeners, please you know send us a private message let, or, or send us a tweet. I'm, Help correct that. I feel like I want to fact check this, I'm, but I'm not I'm qualified right to now. fact check I'm it. checking right now. Well, I mean, Google will tell us anything on the internet, I believe. <laughs> All right. Well, while you're doing that, I'm just going to say I really think this movie was a fail. I think Paul Schrader... I think everybody involved in this movie has done better work elsewhere. I think if you want to experience a visceral, kind of terrifying, sad thrill written by Paul Schrader, I would watch Taxi Driver again before I sit through this. Okay. I thought this was boring and bad. And I I think that the last half hour of the movie alone is a, is a reason enough not to see it. All right. So it sounds like a big stinkeroo from both of us. Uh, One you can skip, but don't skip our next episode in which the best picture choosing machine has spat out You Can't Take It With You, directed by Frank Capra. While we're on the topic of You Can't Take It With You, human eyeballs vary less than any other body part. A 300-pound man and a 70-pound 10-year-old have about the same size eyes. So where does Amanda Seyfried in the spectrum. What what makes our eyes look large or small is mostly the position of the lids. Oh. So, okay. there, there you go. It, something about her eyelids make her eyes that are perfectly normal look larger than most other humans. Well, again, we don't know that her eyeballs are the same size. You're just saying... They could be. On right, average. They, she right, could right. be an anomaly. That is, that is okay. totally possible. So you can't take it with you. I can't wait to discuss it with you. Talk to you then. Thanks for listening to the Spoiler Alert Podcast. Please visit us online at movieoutsiders.com, where you can see what films we'll be discussing next, comment on our recent episodes, suggest movies to review or topics to discuss, or submit questions for the five questions segment of the podcast. Stop by and visit our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash movieoutsiders, and be sure to follow us on Twitter at movieoutsiders. If you're a fan of the show, we'd really appreciate you leaving a review on iTunes, Overcast, Stitcher, or whatever podcast subscription service you use. We'll be back again next week with another episode, but until then, enjoy the movies.